morning, everyone. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for being here this morning. Um, I want to read uh, the passage out of Romans seven that we'll be in this morning. Uh, maybe don't try to turn there. Just let this kind of be be read uh, over you, if you could. Um, Paul is writing here, and, and I'll talk a little bit later. This is, I think, probably a, likely a, a journal I- entry or a reflection in a private closet moment for Paul. So Romans 7, starting in verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with a law that is good, So it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Before I read this next verse, remember Paul in a quiet moment in his closet, introspectively writing, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with flesh I serve the law of sin. Let's, uh, let's pray and ask God to open our hearts and open our minds and teach us something this morning. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the word that you gave to Paul thousands and thousands of years ago. And I thank you for persevering it and bringing it to us in a way that we can understand this morning, Father. And I pray that you would guide us to understanding what it means to repent, God. And Lord, as as we rise from this place this morning, I pray that in these coming days this week, we would learn how to repent in a disciplined way, Father. And God, I pray you would give us yourself at the end of it. God, teach us that repentance is not just about discovery of our sin and our sinful nature, but it has a goal in mind, and that goal is you. Father, would you, uh, would you give us yourself this morning through the repentance that leads to life. Thank you for Jesus. In his name, amen. So uh, this morning, this sermon is really important, and I apologize for saying that now seven consecutive sermons. Um, But it is. It's really important. Um, And it, I think if we really learn what it means to repent and to repent correctly and repent well, 
like it, it changes so much of who we are. Uh, so let's, uh, let, let's give it a shot this morning to learn how to repent. So I want to take like the first half of the message this morning to, to talk about repentance and what it is. And then we're going to dig into the stuff that I just read in Romans 7, which is really uh, sort of a, a lab, maybe, um, a, a practicum. You guys ever have a, like a, a science class where you taught like the principles and then you had a lab where you did it, right? Um, that's, what, that's what Romans 7 is. So we're going to, like this is the, the, the teaching part of the class. We're going to learn what repentance is. Then we're going to watch somebody actually do it, all right? Um, so it's, uh, it's really dangerous though. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that uh, each of us this morning is, is going to be like on track from start to finish to like the beginning of the sermon to the end of the sermon. I'm not naive enough to think that you're not going to like wander at some point. Um, but this is really dangerous because if, if when we deal with repentance, if we only deal with a portion of repentance or we don't fully comprehend the fullness of what it is, we can leave ourselves in a, in a really bad place. Um, so when it's time to like snap back in, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, like, come on, don't, don't miss this part. Because uh, I think the worst thing that I can do is give you half of repentance this morning. Um, so let's uh, hopefully not do that. Before we get to the definition of repentance, I think it does us well to, uh, to spend a few minutes dealing with Romans 12 too. So um, this whole series of uh, transformation, being transformed, is, is predicated on Romans 12 too and us understanding Romans 12 too. So if you remember, we did three consecutive weeks dealing with each of the three concepts that are shown in Romans 12 too. The first one, do not conform. And if you remember, uh, we learned that do not conform is uh, this idea of to conform is, is a self-reliant proposition. When we are conforming, it's something that's born in us. So for people that would show up at a church, there is a hint of religion in you. So you want to be religious. And so we can conform in a religious sort of way, meaning we're going to do something that's going to force God to have to do something. Or we're going to do these things. And because we do these things, God's going to do these things. And we're trying to kind of put God on the defensive. Or it's, it's more than that. This idea, as it's talked about in Romans 12 too, it's a process that's happening in you. Whether you realize it or not, um, you are conforming to something, to some sort of pattern of thinking. And likely the world, this culture that we live in, is attacking you to try to get you to conform and value the things that it values, desire the things that it desires. And it's, it's, there's a relentless onslaught to your personhood that's trying to get you to conform to the way that this world thinks and values and desires and, and pursues. And Romans 12, 2, at the heart of transformation, don't do that. Right? But it's a process that's already started, and we need God's help to keep us from conforming. The second one that we're going to spend a lot of time with this morning is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this word, transformed, indicates that it's a supernatural event that we are not capable of. 
all right? To be transformed is something that the power to do that doesn't reside within you. So we need the help of God to make it happen. Our role in this transformed process is to put ourselves in a position to receive this transforming power of God. And that's at the heart of repentance, and we'll get to uh, as we go along. Then the last thing is knowing the will of God. So if, we're, if we don't conform, but instead we are transformed, then we will know the will of God. That's the teaching of Romans 12 too. But it's more than just where should I work, where should I go to school. That's like our minds are very self-focused, and so we immediately snap to that. What should we do? There's a decision that's in front of me. Should I live here? Should I live there? Should I, should I go to this school? Should I go to that school? Should I date this girl? Should I not? That's what we're thinking of, of what it means to know the will of God. Like there's some book that we'd like to go to the last chapter and, and find out what the things we're supposed to do. That's, that's a piece of the will of God, but that's not the fullness of the will of God. Let me read this to you. God wants you to be intensely happy and profoundly satisfied. Let me say that again. This is defining what the will of God. God wants you to be intensely happy and profoundly satisfied. He is about this. He labors and suffers to get us to that place. He has communicated that to us through the creation of his word, the Bible, and persevered it and brought it to a place where we can interact with it and know him and his purposes and plans to provide this satisfying joy and pleasure. This is the will of God. The will of God is that everything that distracts you from purified, perfect, undefiled relationship with him is what we're transforming to get out of us so that we can only enjoy perfect relationship with this holy, perfect father. It's why you were created. We have cravings in us. Do you know that every craving that you have was put there by God for a purpose? And that purpose is that you might find the satisfaction of that craving in him and him alone. Think about that. Everything that you've ever craved, God put it there. The world and this conforming process tries to convince you that maybe that craving is evil or tries again to convince you that maybe you should fulfill or satisfy that craving yourself. But every craving that you have, God put it there for the purpose that you might find in him the satisfaction of that craving. And this is the will of God. The will of God that he would satisfy every craving and longing of your heart. And the path to that is transformation. So let's circle back to this idea of to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because that and repentance are basically the same thing. Okay? First, repentance is transformation that ends with more intimate relationship with God. I, I want to I put that in front of us. We're going we're gonna to deal with some, some not, not rhetorically, we're going to have some give and take here in just a minute. And the likelihood is that we're going to find in us something that we find extremely grotesque and can be debilitating to us. If we repent well, and we'll look at Paul repenting well, if we repent like that, then we can be left with this awful knowledge of what lies within us. 
But we can't end there. We have to end with this will of God. We have to end with this apprehension of who he is because God does not desire for us to be miserable. And that's where we can find ourselves when we really deal with the depths of our sin. The second thing is that repentance is a grace gift that comes from God. You are not capable of... So to define repentance is a complete essence of the way that we think and react to this world. Changing the essence of the way that we think and react to this world. And we're not capable of changing that. It's a gift that God has given to us. It's a grace gift that he's given to us. So um, we participate in repentance in that we just acknowledge our sin and come to grips with our sin and try and go deep with our sin and God changes us supernaturally. Um, Along these lines, a couple of quotes for us to uh, connect with. Tim Keller says that in the gospel, the goal of repentance is to repeatedly tap into the joy of our union with Christ. All right, so the purpose of repentance, the purpose of, of, of this message today, the purpose of Romans 7 today and tomorrow is that we would repeatedly tap into the joy that God intends for us. Like, have you ever really deeply felt sorrow for something that you did? Have you ever been there? Really deeply felt sorrow for something that you did? That's getting at the heart of repentance. But the end of it is, is God saying, I love you. You're accepted. The point of repentance is to repeatedly tap into the joy of our union with Christ. Spurgeon Uh, an old English pastor said this, repentance is the act of salvation of the soul, the germ or seed, which contains all the essentials of salvation, which secures them to us and prepares us for them. So at the heart of repentance, it's a seed that's, that's springing forth is the essentials of salvation that secures them to us and prepares us to interact with them and engage with them. This is the depth of repentance. But it's dangerous because, like I said before, we can be left with just our sin. But God doesn't ever... Let me, let me say this to you. Um, because we will get repentance wrong and we will receive the attacks of the enemy Again, I mean, I've said this hundreds of times. You have one enemy, and his name is Satan. And he has one weapon against you, and it gets you to believe something that's not true about yourself or about God or about people around you. When we repent, we have a very real and, and, and very good enemy, and his only job, his only tool is to get you to believe something that's not true about yourself or about God or about somebody else. So, so go with that thought a second. When you repent... Satan is going to attack you and try to get you to live in that sin. This is who you are. Yes, that is who you are. But the truth about who God is, he does not leave you there. Please hear me. God does not leave you there. So if you are in the midst of repentance, if you're in the midst of a Romans 7 moment for your own heart, that's not who you are in the end. If you believe it, it's a lie coming from someplace other than God. Because you have complete and full acceptance in God because of the work of Jesus Christ, period. 
Wherever you are, whatever you've done, the depth of the core sins that you've come to grips with, it's a lie if you leave yourself there. So, let's, uh, I want to show you uh, an image. Uh, pop that, that up there, Cooper. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time uh, this morning thinking about this concept. All right? So the main one in the middle that I want to focus on to begin with is you see in green, surface sin, and there, that's a trampoline in case you didn't know. Uh, that's root sin. All right? So the goal for us this morning is to get as deep as we can to our core sins. All right? That's the goal. So now we're, we're going to participate in a, in a bit of a lab here, a little bit of give and take. You ready? All right, so let's talk about lying, okay? Lying is a surface sin, okay? So what would cause someone to lie? Let's try to go, go deeper with the surface sin. I told a lie. What was it that happened? Think of a lie that maybe you told or, or a, a lie. Let's think about reasons why you would lie, trying to get deep into our core sins. Try to protect someone, okay? Why, why are you trying to protect someone? You don't know? You weren't expecting a follow-up? <laughs> All right, so you would lie trying to protect somebody. What are, you, what are you trying to protect somebody from? Help Rachel out, everybody. Hurt, okay? What, what, are we, what are we, we're trying to protect somebody from being hurt. Somebody else said something back here. Reputation, Reputation. okay? That's a, that's a good one. So hurt and reputation. So let, let's go deeper than that. What are, we, what are we fearful of? What are we trying to protect them from, from a hurt standpoint? Why, why would you try to protect someone from hurt? Shame. Yeah. And, and think, about, think about shame. And like, right, that's, a, like that's just a, a different way to say all the stuff that I said about Satan. Trying to get you to believe something about yourself that's not true. Trying to believe something about God that's not true. Trying to get you to believe something about others and the way they feel about you that's just not true. All right? So what else? Give me another reason why somebody lies. Fear. All right? Pride. Make yourself look better. Yeah. Okay, so what... Let, let's, let's zero in on, on making yourself look better, all right? What, why would we want to make ourselves look better? Because we're insecure, all right? Why would we be insecure? Like, look, look at all of, the, all of the scriptures that say God loves you and he's given his son to die for you. And, and yes, you are a sinner, but... Why, why would we ever be insecure? Because we don't believe it. Exactly. So I, and I think if we press down into every sin as deep as we can go, we get right there. I just don't believe you, God. Or I want to be... I want you to perceive me the way that I want you to perceive me, not the way that I actually am, because you might reject me or there might be something different or, or I'm just not going to feel accepted by you. And ultimately, it becomes what I want right now. Luther said that no commandment has ever been broken except the first one be broken. <laughs> 
Remember what the first one was? You said, have no other gods before me. You never break a commandment until you first break that one. We lie because I'm God right now. I'd rather satisfy me right now than do what you're telling me to do. All right, let's, let's move on to a different sin. Let's talk about lusting. Why, why do people lust? To provide for themselves. Yeah. Good. So why, what, what do you want to, what do you want to provide for yourself? This is, this is sticky. Can we get a little uncomfortable here? Pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. You want pleasure. And, and think about the context of, of, I want pleasure for me. Do you see that? We lust because we want pleasure for ourselves. I want it for me right here, right now, in the way that I want it. Who's God there? Seriously, who is God there? When you lust, if you get to the core of it, who's God? You are. Are you, are you, how's that working for you? Seriously, you, you want to be God of your lust? Okay, you get to be God of everything. What are you going to do about Syria? What are you going to do about the election? Like, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fail. We're really, really bad at being God. But we're so stupid. We get it all. We, we, that breaks into our, our minds and our hearts all the time. I got one last one for you. Um, gossip. Gossip is a surface sin. Let's try to get to the, the depth, the core sin of, of gossip. Why? Um, think about it. Let, let's get a little personal. When was the last time you gossiped? What time is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably about 1030. Uh, seriously. When, like this is, this is a... Like lying and lust is like, we, sh- we shouldn't do that. We know in the middle of when we're doing it, this is bad. We shouldn't be doing this. But, but gossip is subtle. But it's equally heartbreaking. Why, why, why do you gossip? Bingo. Exactly. Think about when you're... When you're gossiping about someone, is oh, that guy's that guy's terrible? Look at how awful that guy is. Hey, join me in seeing how awful this guy is. And what's it, what's at the heart of that? Insecurity. Insecurity. What else is at the heart of that? Unforgiveness. It's like a, like a magician. You guys know the, ma- the magician's trick? Like I'm, I'm doing a, a magic trick up here, and I want you to, I'm going to make some loud noise over here so you don't see what's actually happening over here. Right? That's the trick of a magician. Let's bring a, a, a pretty girl and make a big explosion over here so we can do something different here. Draw attention to that so we don't see the core of who we really are. And at the heart of repentance is getting deep to the core of who we really are. 
So this week, we're going to lead some, some ideas of repentance for you guys and follow us along in the blog and teaching us this discipline of repentance. And all these things we're talking about, surface sins and core sins, we'll learn those and we'll engage those together. And this is not something for a, a, a 30-minute sermon on a Sunday morning. Repentance is, is a way of life. It's uh, uh, Luther, when he nailed the, the 95 Thesis to the Wittenberg Cathedral, he said, all of life is repentance. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will that all of our life will be a life of repentance. We'll never, ever get past this need to repent. So we don't, don't think that we're going to come to grips with it in 30 minutes. All right? We've got to discipline ourselves to continually engage in repentance, going deeper and deeper and deeper with our sin. All right? So uh, second thing for us here. Uh, is what's on the bottom. You see written in black. I am a bigger sinner than I thought. And he is a bigger savior than I thought. So the deeper we go in our sin. The deeper we understand our insecurities. Our pride. Our weakness. Our desire to make somebody else look bad. The deeper we go with that. The deeper we realize. Wait a second. I'm talking about myself. And we're, we're quick to gossip. We're quick to judge. We're quick to, to lust. We're quick to lie. The, the deeper we go with the reasoning for that, the deeper we understand the depth of the depravity that lies within us. And the deeper we do that, the greater we understand how great of a Savior He is. Um, look at so this is a trampoline. That was when the, the trampoline image really comes to life. The harder, the deeper you bounce, what happens when you, when you bounce really hard on a trampoline? What happens? You go up higher. Right? We really understand and see grace for a, a beautiful thing that it is. I, I, I thought about this today. Or, uh, imagine, w- would it be better to listen to a basketball game on the radio or to watch it on TV? What would you get a better sense of what was happening, radio or TV? TV, right. You, wow, that guy jumped really, that's incredible. The athleticism is present in this guy. But have you ever been to like a, a big time college or an NBA basketball game? Anybody ever done that? It's completely different than watching it on TV. Because these guys are like, they're huge. They're seven feet tall and they can run faster than like, it's, it's incredible to see, to, to, to see it happen in person rather than on TV. TV is great, but when you see it really happen in person, you see these huge people running so fast and jumping so high because we've, we've fully understood, we can appreciate the fullness of, of the gift that they have. And it's the same way in repentance and grace. When we deeply go into our sin and deeply understand the depth of the evil of who we are and come to grips with it, at the same time, we come to grips with, wow, this God really, really loves me, really, really accepts me. You're picking that up. So as we repent deeper, and this is like snap back here. This is the, the important part. Like, there's a purpose to, to leaving you wallowing in the, the awfulness of your sinful nature. And that purpose to see that even as gross as you find yourself to be, God 
loves you all the more. Do you understand? The more we see our sin, the greater grace becomes. When you deal in surface sins, you're watching a basketball game, you're watching a radio, listening to the radio. When you deeply understand the depth of your sin and who you are, we're engaging the fullness of what grace is. Grace is beautiful and more beautiful the more we get acquainted with our sin and our sinful nature. Uh, The last one I want you to look at here is on the left side. See your own sin, own your own sin, and turn from sin. This is the role that we have in the process of repentance and what we hope to get to in uh, Romans 7. So uh, put Romans 7 back up there, Coop. I want to read through this again, and then I want to read some statements over you about watching Paul repent. And again, here, I want you to, to understand, here is Paul in his closet repenting. This is Paul actually repenting. This is the first time that I've seen this this week. Paul is actually repenting, showing us how to do it. Uh, starting in, in verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. Watch him getting to the depth of his sin, his core sins, not dealing on the surface. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, and that is good. So it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, which is making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? All right, that's really confusing. And, and Paul's like, I do what I don't, and I doubt what I do, and I do what? All right? So what I want to do is I want to look together. Hit the next slide, Cooper. We've grayed out the stuff that I don't want you to see, and we've whited left white the stuff that I do want you to see, all right? This is, these are statements of Paul's, and, and look at how awful Paul must view himself. For I do not understand my own actions. Have you ever been there? Why did I do that? Well, I know better than, look at what I, how I hurt my wife. Look at how I hurt my kids. Look at how I hurt my friends. Look at what I did. Do you ever... Here's Paul doing that. His actions, Paul is on the surface. But, he said, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Paul's getting to the the depths. He's beginning to understand the core. He's seeing his sin, his core sin. Then he says, I know that nothing good dwells in me. He uses this word dwells a lot here. Dwells. Think about dwell. What does it mean to dwell? Like, it's where you live. It's where you reside. If if someone dwells in your house, they live there. They're always there. There's a consistency to it. It's, It's always happening. And Paul is talking about sin dwelling in him, taking up residence. This is Paul again, right? We're not talking about some random. We're talking about 
the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, the most incredibly godly man probably who ever lived, sin is dwelling, taking up residence in him. Here he is repenting. I know that nothing good takes up residence in me. I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. Let me say that again. You don't have the ability to not sin. You don't have the ability to not sin. Stop trying and rest in the grace that God has given to you. And then that is the thing that changes you. God is supernaturally working and acting in your life using the grotesqueness of who you are to change you. Is that, is that, that's beautiful to me. Like God would use the very thing that repels us from him to be the thing that draws us to him. Hallelujah. I'm like losing my voice here. This is great. I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. Aren't you glad that it doesn't depend on you? Seriously. Because you're wretched. Now he starts getting into a, a really tough word. The evil. I do not want is what I keep on doing. Evil. Like evil is... I wish it were a, an uglier, like, the actual sounds in evil, in the word evil. We need to, like, change. Can we, can we make up a new word for evil and make it sound bad? Like, think evil is, is evil. Did I just say that? Evil is evil, and it resides in us. The evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Think don't, don't allow this just to be a phrase in the Bible. The evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Allow this to be you watching Paul, weeping over his journal probably. Imagine that. Like he's come to grips so intimately with his own sin that he says, all I can see is evil in me. And he's, he's weeping here. All I see is evil in me. And then look, the, the very next verse Sin that dwells in me. And then he, again, he says, evil lies close at hand. Go to, as you're going to sleep tonight, think about this phrase. Think about Paul in his, in his repentance closet. And you're lying there in your bed. Evil lies close at hand. What would you do if a, an evil human being was lurking in your bedroom with the intent to do you harm? What, how would you respond Honestly, how would you respond? Call for help, grab something, grab a, a weapon of some kind. You wouldn't just lay there. Evil lies close at hand for every one of us. And you know what's your, your, your weapon, your tool? The truth. Evil cannot touch you. God has paid for that evil. It's done. It's been set aside. Making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. The law of sin dwells in you. And then the last thing for us to see here. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin and death? And here's the, the coolest part that I saw this week in my study, right? 
get ready. This is, this is the punchline. When we repent, we come to the grips with this sin that dwells in us, this evil that lies close at hand. But Paul didn't make chapters. He didn't intend for us. One Sunday, we're going to talk about Romans 7. And then a week later, we're going to talk about Romans 8. That's not the way he intended it. Romans 8 comes after Romans 7 for a very specific purpose. And that specific purpose is for us to understand what happens to us when we realize the depth of our sin. Here it is. The end of verse 7 Our chapter 7, he says, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in Romans 8, 1, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Evil lies close at hand. Sin resides in you, but there's no condemnation for you. That's really, really good news. When you come to grips with your sin, when you really, really, really realize that what's in you is evil, and then you understand that there's no condemnation for that evil, how much more beautiful is God and his grace? Verse 15, but you have the re- received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This God who is the receiver of this evil, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bear the burden of all of your evil. That God tells you to call him dad. Isn't grace beautiful? And this Romans 8 is the product of real repentance. Do you want to be in the place where Paul was, weeping over the evil that resides within him and then celebrating the adoption of son as a son that he enjoyed? This is smile-worthy. It's incredible. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When you come to grips with the depth of your core sin, I am a child of God in that moment. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. You are, okay, it's not hard for us to to understand the idea that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is his son. And because he is his son, he has all of the riches of his father, right? Romans 8, just after Romans 7 Paul says that you are a fellow heir with Christ. Like, I want to stand up and throw this table. How excited. Like, that's, that's incredible, you guys. You are a fellow heir with Christ, and you're like seconds away from saying evil lies close at hand within me. Seconds later, I'm a son of God, an heir with Christ. This is repentance. It's so important for us. Verse 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. There's nothing in the world Good or bad, indifferent, sin or not sin, Christian or non-Christian, nothing, no one, nowhere, no how, no spiritual thing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
And remember what he just did. Evil lies close at hand. I see in the, the law of my body that I can do nothing but sin. Dwell, it, no good dwells in me. Only evil dwells in me. But nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not even my own sin. And the deeper we understand our sin, the more beautiful grace becomes. So let's, uh, let's pray. And then I'm going to go get a drink of water. God, thank you so much for your grace. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have been so good to us. God, you have exposed dark places in my heart this week. Father, I pray that you would continue to do so. God, may we all continue to do so. May we participate in the discipline of repentance. And may we see, oh, may we see the beauty of your grace and the glory of what it means to be an, a fellow heir with Christ, to be adopted as a son of God, to be commanded to call you dad. To understand there's no condemnation because of Jesus. God, may we see the fullness of repentance. Allow us to live in the fullness of repentance, God. And may we not be afraid of our sin. God, I confess to you and to these that, God, many times I don't want to repent because I don't want to see my sin. I want to live in ignorance. But God, would you convince me that coming to grips with my sin leaves me with more of you. And that's why I'm here. That all my cravings are satisfied in you. God, would you change us, please? God, would you take all of this and make something good out of it? We might see you, know you, and love you. Thanks for Jesus. It's in his name.